to our latest MLEX podcast. I'm Amy Miller, MLEX's Senior Privacy and Data Security Reporter in San Francisco, California. As opening arguments wrapped up in the high-stakes antitrust trial between Apple and Qualcomm, news of a settlement ripped through the courtroom. After more than two years of litigation and several years of contentious licensing negotiations, the two companies buried the hatchet. Most of the terms are confidential, though Apple did make an unknown payment to Qualcomm. But the surprise truce means the two companies can rekindle one of the more lucrative business partnerships in the tech sector. However, several questions remain unanswered, including the settlement's impact on the global smartphone industry. Here today to bring us up to speed is MLEX senior correspondent Josh Sisko. Hi, Amy. And uh, Mike Swift, chief global digital risk correspondent. Hey, Amy. Uh, And they've both been following the case closely. First off, remind us what the legal fight is over. The case essentially boils down to uh, licensing agreements between Apple and Qualcomm over Qualcomm's uh, cellular patents. Uh, Qualcomm owns a a great deal of technology over uh, the the deals with how smartphones connect to the internet. Um, Apple needs them in its its iPhones and and many of its tablets, and Apple doesn't want to pay what Qualcomm is asking, and Qualcomm Apple thinks that Qualcomm is asking too much, and and, uh, Qualcomm thinks that Apple is trying to devalue its technology. How was the trial expected to play out? What did you guys expect? There was uh, several uh, several high-profile executives. Uh, Apple CEO Tim Cook was expected to take the stand at some point, and it would have been uh, the first time he's ever testified as a representative of Apple. Uh, Qualcomm CEO Steve Mollenkopf was also expected to testify. Other uh, senior executives from the companies were going to take the stand. There's a nine-person jury that was picked uh, that was expected to hear the case, and they would have heard about huge damages numbers uh, that both companies were seeking. Also included in the trial were uh, Apple's um, manufacturers, their contract manufacturers, like uh, the Taiwanese company Foxconn that actually makes the devices. And uh, between Apple and Foxconn, they were seeking billions of dollars in damages. Um, Foxconn actually had a claim for $9 billion in uh, antitrust damages against Qualcomm over uh, royalty rates that Foxconn says was too high. And that applies to several other companies that also make make Apple's devices. And uh, Apple, during the pendency of the litigation, had stopped paying uh, Qualcomm for royalties. And Qualcomm said that Apple owed them at least seven or eight billion dollars in in back paid royalties and uh, both of those numbers could have been increased. Uh, The nine billion dollars could have been tripled under Mm. the antitrust laws and uh, Qualcomm was seeking punitive damages as well which could have uh, doubled the the amount of money that it wanted uh, that it said Apple owes. Well well, were you surprised, either of you surprised that it settled given these big numbers at issue? Well I certainly was. I mean sort of given the level of um, acrimony between these companies. It certainly didn't seem like uh, they were ripe for settlement. And, you know, you sort of have to look at, you know, now that they've settled, like, what did Apple get out of this? I mean, it kind of seems like uh, we've, we're back to where things were in 2016 when, um, you know, Qualcomm was, uh, you know, the, the exclusive supplier of uh, modem chips for, for the iPhone. So you have to wonder what Apple got out of this. And, 
and you know why they were willing to uh, to settle you know before we even got very deeply into the trial. Well, if it had played out, who was on the jury? Did you get a sense of uh, of how they might have evaluated the? Evidence? Well, it's hard to say how they would have evaluated the evidence. The, the case settled as opening arguments were, were yeah. wrapping up, but uh, there was an interesting mix of people on the jury. Um, they didn't hear any evidence, but uh, <laughs> one of the one of the one of the jurors was a former uh, professional baseball pitcher, who has since uh, become a uh, air traffic controller at the San Diego airport. Uh, <laughs> there was a commercial pilot who flew into the San, who flies into the San Diego airport. There was also an accountant an environmental consultant. Um, there was one uh, older lady who didn't own a smartphone, never owned a smartphone, and uh, said during jury selection that she uh, has always had a flip phone. I loved what you said on Twitter about the, the former pitcher. Like, wasn't he like asked, like, what was your ERA or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was asked by one of the attorneys what his ERA was, uh, and uh, he was like, not good enough to keep pitching. Oh, uh, well... <laughs> Did they knock out jurors that had uh, high-tech expertise or were deeply involved in technology? Were those the first jurors to be kicked they, off? <laughs> yeah, there were several jurors that had uh, that had tech backgrounds. There was a couple of uh, defense contractors. One had done work with Qualcomm several years ago on a failed. He was able. He wasn't able to. It was a classified project, and he wasn't able to say much. But it was described as sort of a failed tracking project mm. that was being done in conjunction mm. with Qualcomm engineers. So he did not make it onto the jury. And there was a, also, a, I think, a naval contractor um, and some other some other IT folks that didn't didn't make the cut. So it was interesting when you see them, because they always throw off like anybody who has any sort of an engineering background, like even if it's not electrical engineering, like civil engineers gone, you know, it's like, and you, you wonder because they don't usually get deep into the weeds on engineering in these trials, right? I mean, but but for some reason, they always kick off engineers. I don't know why. Uh, my dad's an engineer. He likes details. So, uh. <laughs> yeah. This trial would have, I think it would have been hard for them to avoid some of the really technical, uh, you know, detailed technical testimony. And uh, I think typically attorneys want to be able to, to teach the jurors instead of trying to convince somebody of a, of a particular side when they already know quite a bit. I mean, one of the jurors yeah. actually said that, or potential jurors said that if he thought that the testimony was incorrect, he would say so to his fellow jurors. Oh. And so he was definitely <laughs> never going to make it onto the jury. <laughs> well, what do we know about the settlement? We don't know a whole uh, lot, a whole tremendous amount. I mean, the companies were very tight-lipped about um, what the specific terms were. Um, Qualcomm gets a new gets a has a global license with Apple and uh, also a chip supply agreement. So the thinking is that uh, with 5G technology right around the corner, this is going to sort of allow Apple to roll out a 5G iPhone more quickly than it otherwise would have. Apple's feeling some pressure on that score because Samsung there's there's a, a Samsung handset which is a 5G handset is supposed to be out before the end of 2019 so so that might have played a role here but um, you know we don't know you know how much is being paid here we, we do know that Apple is making a, a one-time payment to Qualcomm but we don't know the amount we sure, sure would like to know that to that extent it doesn't seem like much of a surprise that they ultimately wanted to reach a resolution just because it was able to remove such a huge distraction um, I was surprised that mm -hmm. it settled because they had already picked a jury and already, you know, 
basically finished opening statements. I would have thought that if it was going to settle, they would have wanted to avoid that. We had heard that they were trying to reach, an, reach a final agreement before a jury was picked on Sunday night, before the trial started, and, and uh, they just weren't able to cross all the T's and dot all the I's. But uh, for about three weeks ahead of the trial, they were the two sides were engaged in pretty intensive uh, negotiations. These, these types of disputes rarely go to trial. It's a, incredibly expensive. Stuff always ends up becoming public that the companies don't mm-hmm. want to become public. Exactly. They would have preferred, I'm sure they're glad that uh, Tim Cook right. didn't have to testify <laughs> uh-huh. and then be subject to cross-examination. Yeah. Uh, so it, uh, I think regardless of what the terms are, it's in that sense, you know, it's a win for the companies. They can both get back to doing, doing what they love to do, I guess. Making a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so beyond Apple and Qualcomm, who else is impacted? Any uh, the FTC? It's hard to know exactly the impact. I think most immediately um, the Federal Trade Commission, which has its own case against Qualcomm, and uh, the agency relied heavily on Apple. There was a trial that wrapped up in January uh, in San Jose, uh, the Federal Trade Commission versus Qualcomm, and a ruling hasn't come out yet. That could come out at any any day, essentially, but. Uh, Apple was a key cooperator for the FTC. There's several Apple executives testified. A big part of the FTC's case was about harm that specifically happened to Apple, uh, including exclusivity agreements with Qualcomm that uh, Qualcomm charges too much for its patents. um, And in order to get a break on those high prices, it requires exclusivity agreements. Apple signed one, according to the FTC, in order to get a break on this price. And so now that Apple has settled with Qualcomm, it's sort of unclear about how much Apple will be cooperating with the government. So, so the other impact, really big impact, is really on Intel. So the kind of bombshell that, uh, announcement after just a few hours after we heard about the settlement, we um, get a release from Intel saying that they're exiting the 5G market, um, the 5G uh, smartphone modem chip market. And... Um, we don't know how that whole thing played out. You know, did Intel know that they were about to settle, and so therefore it decided mm-hmm. it couldn't compete with Qualcomm anymore, so they decided to pull out? Or, you know, did Intel had Intel already made this decision that they were going to exit the market, and that put more pressure on Apple to settle? You know, we don't know uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg, but mm-hmm. um, uh, it sure certainly. Uh, appeared quite clear that there was a connection uh, between what was happening in, in, uh, between Apple and Qualcomm and the settlement and Intel's decision to, uh, to pull out of uh, making uh, modem chips, uh, 5G modem chips. So, uh, but the end result, it will pe- appears, will be that um, Apple didn't get what it really wanted, which was to have uh, multiple suppliers for um, for modem chips. Uh, they said in the trial against the FTC that that was the only component among the roughly 1,000 components in an iPhone that they didn't have multiple suppliers for, and that was a big problem for them, and uh, that was a, clearly one way that they lost in the outcome hmm. of this trial. Well, well, thank you both for, for sharing your Experiences covering that very exciting, very brief uh, trial. <laughs> Again, that's uh, MLEX senior correspondent Josh Cisco and Mike Swift, MLEX's chief global digital risk correspondent. Thanks.
Make sure to come back often for future MLEX podcasts from Europe, Asia, and the Americas on regulatory and litigation issues around antitrust, trade, privacy and data security, and corruption. You can access our podcasts from our website or subscribe to the SoundCloud app for iPhone or Android devices. I'm Amy Miller, MLEX Senior Privacy and Data Security Reporter. Bye for now from San Francisco. Thank you.